This is Waiting for Review, a show about iOS development and the Apple ecosystem. From the UK, I'm Dave Knott, and joining me from New Zealand is Dave Wood. So Dave, I think one of the um, sort of not quite side project sort of pieces that you've been looking at, but something that's been taking up a bit of your time lately has been looking into websites and um, kind of figuring out a static site generator. What have you been looking at? Because I'm interested in all this. Okay, probably best I wind back slightly. Um, (laughs) I kind of got that itch to write and it started about a month, six weeks ago. And I thought initially, you know, this is going to go away like it always does. And it hasn't. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should sort of start thinking about a blogging platform and a blogging platform that I can sort of live on for a long time. Yep. In, instead of like jumping from pillar to post and never being quite happy. I mean, I'm on micro.blog at the minute, but I can't see myself staying there for the long haul. I started to think, well, ra- rather than make the task, let's build a website, make the task, let's evaluate everything that's out there. Well, not everything, but you know, some things that are out there that are popular and try yep. and try and land on something that I'm going to be happy with in five years time. That's, that was, that was the goal anyway. So started at the obvious places, well, place, WordPress, but there's like an underlying feeling of I've been here before. (laughs) (laughs) I don't know, having a WordPress site to manage wasn't my idea of fun, to be perfectly honest. And yeah, you go onto wordpress.com, so like the version of WordPress where they host it all for you and that kind of thing. And their selling point is like 30-something percent of the world runs on WordPress, on the, on the websites in the world run on WordPress. Okay. The kind of ex-web developer in me goes, well, that's terrible because that means there's like a huge target on your back. <laughs> it's like a, if everyone, <laughs> yeah, if, if you crack WordPress, you've cracked almost a third of the internet. So why wouldn't you want to crack WordPress? That's no, don't want to go WordPress. And I think back to sort of ex-clients over the years when I was a web dev for the for the day job. And WordPress is always a problem. It's kind of like you either have to be constantly checking it for updates and making sure your plugins are updated and the core is updated and all of that stuff, or you get it to auto-update. But then if you auto-update the core and a plugin's incompatible, then all of a sudden a chunk of your website stops working. Yep. In either event, you've got a grumpy client. So <laughs> I think of WordPress, I'm like, oh, no. So... Then I started looking at Ghost. Um, okay. How does Ghost work? I don't really know, to be quite honest. <laughs> it's kind of <laughs> written in, um, I think it's more like JavaScripty uh, rather than PHP, but I don't really know how it works under the hood. But I kind of felt like I'd be in the same predicament in that I'm left with a CMS that I need to kind of update and maintain and all that kind of stuff. So, I mean, again, you can go to Ghost and and they'll host it for you and do all that kind of stuff. I think they start at $29 a month, which is quite a lot, considering this isn't going to make any money, at least in the short to medium term. Yes, that's quite an expense. But similar to WordPress, they'll just give you the source and you can run it on your own infrastructure. Um, And then I start thinking to myself, like, can I just hard code this? Um, And that seemed really appealing to me because I I, I don't know, I, I feel kind of disillusioned with with the modern web and yeah it seems like so much overhead is needed to accomplish so little 
Yes. And that just seems conceptually flawed. You know, you've got this like, you want to have a website, but all of a sudden you have to put a big CMS on your server and that CMS is like, uh, you know, increases your surface area for attack and you've got to keep it updated. And it's like, does it need to be like this? Like, really? <laughs> it feels, it often just sort of feels like it's complexity for complexity's sake. It's kind of the, the vibe that I get from outside looking in as, as an iOS developer. Then looking at modern web development, I sort of wonder, well, I don't remember web development being like this when I was a lot younger. Where's where's that gone? Yeah, and it's like dependencies on top of dependencies on top of dependencies, and there's always like a new thing that's going to take over. Uh, <laughs> in fact, like when I think back to when I was a web dev for the day job, we we would always have this sort of joke phrase like from now on <laughs> kind of yeah as soon as this new piece of technology came out we'd be like right from now on everything is built in this and that would last about like a week until yeah. like, the next new thing it's like, oh, from now on we're, we're doing it this way i always felt uh, kind of like the old man of the team in that respect in that i was, was always a bit like well do we have to <laughs> you know uh one thing i'll never forget we were using this is so long ago now. NPM? You heard of NPM? Yes, yeah, yeah. I think it's like a JavaScript package manager. Yeah, it's for Node, um, isn't it? I guess, yeah. I don't, I don't really know what Node is. <laughs> <laughs> I think Ghost uses it. I, I don't know. Um, this shows how out of touch I am. Um, but anyway, I come in one day, and one of the persons I worked with was like, from now on, we're using Yarn. NPM is dead. Like, the future is Yarn. It's going to replace NPM. I was like, oh, okay, cool. Like, first of all, maybe calm down a bit, because like, we're just talking about a tool that downloads JavaScript. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, you know, let's test it out. How do we install it? It's like, oh, well, you install it with NPM. It's like, right. <laughs> the thing mm-hmm. that's going to replace NPM, you install with NPM. So did you just hear yourself say that? <laughs> uh, <laughs> and then that's the sort of behavior where I, I feel like it is just for the sake of it. Um, <sighs> I don't know. I mean, I'm not... Uh, I'm not saying NPM or Yarn is a bad thing. And for all I know, there could have been another way to have installed Yarn. But frankly, I don't really care. <laughs> that interaction just summed up so much of what I didn't like about modern web development. Yeah, And I'm sure they've got their place. Like if you're building something of scale, I don't know, like the Facebook website or something, like probably a good idea to maybe use something like NPM. Um, but it never felt right for the scale we worked at. Um, like I caught someone using it just to create a one level deep drop down menu off of like the navigation of a website. <laughs> and it's like, really like we're adding all of this overhead for this one project for a drop down menu. Yeah. That like just pure JavaScript, you could probably do it in 50 lines, you know, <laughs> but you yeah, know, next thing you, know, you got an NPM, this and all these scripts run. And it's like, that is just for a drop down menu. Like seriously. <laughs> yeah. And then you have a another problem there, which is, okay, when you walk back in on that project in two years' time, three years' time, you know, however long that client's with you, the longer it goes on, the more removed you are from that point in time when it was, okay, we're going to develop in this way with these tools. So you have to put yourself in a bit of a time machine to go back and, and figure out the stack. Um, yes, that's, that's- got to be a support overhead that's just not enjoyable to have absolutely 
Yeah. Hence my desire for this whole thing to just like pure HTML, keep it simple. And, you know, when I stop and think about what is going to be served to the user in the context of something, you know, the site I'm trying to build, it's a lightly styled page with some text on it. And at that point you have to kind of stop, I think, and take stock. Because, you know, like, like I said, the, the idea of using WordPress or Ghost or, or any other s- similar CMS is that you have to install the CMS on your server, you've got to keep it up to date, maintain it, and like you say, you, you, you're, you've increased your level of uh, probability of a, an attack and your susceptibleness to that attack. Yeah. Um, you know, even if you just use a silly plugin on WordPress to build a form, it's like, well, you, got, you better hope that developer that built that didn't mess up and also keeps updating it over time in line <laughs> with the core of WordPress. Uh, so yeah, just the, the idea of the server just being a tool to serve HTML pages that are stored on disk seemed like a like a welcome change. So um, I guess the overhead though is that yeah, to write a post, the, the overhead is higher if you just do it yeah. in pure HTML, and if you really are truly doing it as a static HTML page on your server then things like generating RSS feeds from that can get a bit tricky. Oh, yes. Because, you know, things like WordPress and, you know, it all comes from a database. So in the same way you can generate a page, you can generate an RSS feed. You just sort of pull from the database. Fine. Yeah. Um, so my next line of inquiry was, well, maybe I can write something that would monitor a directory of markdown files that would generate A, the site from that, and B, the RSS feed can generate that. Yeah, because your, your kind of directory of markdown files is kind of like your database if you think of it in those terms. But obviously, then that starts to feel like a bit of a rabbit hole pretty quickly. Yeah, it does, um, especially with my current skill level with web dev. Like I'm so out of touch, I can't even begin to explain it. You know, when you <laughs> used to do something all the time, it's just not there in the same way. Oh, nowhere near. Yeah. Absolutely nowhere near. Um, and then I think you might have been you mentioned hugo and initially i just didn't really look at it and kind of sort of like yeah and i sort of think about my own things so 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 i i can sort of speak to that is somebody else and i can't remember who they were now um i think somebody in our slack channel mentioned hugo uh, when we were discussing static site generators because this this is a a rabbit hole of thought that i've been down myself yeah quite recently um exactly the same motivations i don't want the overhead of of wordpress i just want to write a bunch of markdown files for the blog posts and you know send something at it um so so i was in in the same sort of position just sort of thinking okay i want to have a blog again or i'm thinking about it anyway i don't want the complexity of all this stuff and can i just write markdown will i still have a markdown editor or will it still be relevant in five years ten years time yeah probably and probably, probably be quite yeah. lightweight you know that, that's the other sort of side of it is migrating from one thing to another it, it, i've done a bunch of this with wordpress recently just pulling sites from one server to another and even just doing that exporting stuff out uh, from mysql reconfiguring the wordpress site on another server i mean it's not hard but it's still messy and so the idea of like getting too attached to one system or another um 
doesn't appeal to me at the moment. So yeah, exactly the same sort of place as you were. I, I really want something that I can just fire something at this bunch of markdown files, set it and forget it. Um, and I was thinking about the same sort of ideas that I think you were thinking about, which is, can I script my way through this? You know, could I maybe bash something out even in, in Swift that just sort of tacks on the uh, the HTML at the top and bottom of the, the page and analyzes the something out of the markdown file to sort of produce the relevant links for dates and things and you know maybe something else that then processes everything and chucks out the rss and then i took a step back because when you're starting to talk about developing your own set of scripts to build something (laughs) out of the blue like that (laughs) it probably means that you're doing the kind of um to to the guy with the hammer you know, every, every every screw looks like a nail, kind of thing. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> especially when I'm sort of thinking, oh, could you use Swift for that? Well, yeah, I could, and I'm in in Swift all the time, and that's where I'm productive right now. But the inverse of that is to then sort of say, well, okay, but is that going to be another support problem? Because I sort of set that up, and okay, it works. But then maybe I just want to write my blog posts, and I come back in two years' time. You know, what version of Swift was it? Um, it, it? Do I even still write in that style in that way? And then you know, all of these other questions and things where it's, it's kind of removed from my, my iOS development. And so therefore it's going to kind of go go off, go out of date. Uh, so yeah, Hugo came up and it looks quite appealing to me. I've not, I can't say that I'm using it actively yet. Um, I, I think you're, further down the line dave so i'll I'll pass the mic back to you on that one (laughs) what have you found with it so far well first of all i found out that it was a static site generator and i didn't even know what they were or that they really existed much to my embarrassment Um, and it turns out that was essentially what i was setting out to build but i didn't realize it yeah because that is basically what hugo does um it's got a directory that you chuck markdown files in and it spits out a website you know it spits out the html um what that does and what what appeals to me so much about it is is that you can run hugo on your local machine so i've got it running here on my mac and like i say you you chuck all the markdown files at it and then within its directory structure on the mac there's a directory called public and that's where your html and your rss and you know your images directory you just literally upload that to a server and that's your website. I, I, I like the idea of keeping the, the smarts on your local machine and just upload those basic resources to the server. Yeah. Um, yeah, it's funny because whenever I think about setting up a server, like on Linode or whatever, I think, right, I need I need a LAMP stack. Um, but in this case, you don't. No. I mean, you don't need MySQL. You don't need PHP. Just a, a LAR stack, I guess you would call it. Just install <laughs> Apache and you're away, right? You could even just use Nginx. Yeah, just anything that can serve a HTML file, essentially. Yeah. Um, you know, it's very bare bones. But again, this to to kind of briefly reflect on my feelings of modern web development, this feels great. Almost like a return to form. You know, it doesn't come without its downsides. Like one downside I found with Hugo was that the themes I felt were a little bit lacking. It's got, you know, there's like a themes library you can choose from. Um some of them are nice, but weren't what I wanted. 
and some of them were a bit like ooh really (laughs) 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 homemade Um, so basically this sort of last few days I say few days the amount of time I've had in the last few days um, which doesn't amount to much in terms of hours I've been looking at the theming of Hugo Um, so far so good but then like I don't I don't really want much but I want it to be right like I say something that I could be happy with in five years time you know I I don't want to sort of have that constant temptation of oh I I want to change my blog layout again I want something that the content really is the key thing and and the design gets out of the way yeah um and you know i'm not done yet i've still got a little way to go but um yeah i'm getting there with it i'm not sure i made the right decision with how i'm handling my css because usually i would have used um scss or sas okay and then compile that down to css just so i can get a little bit fancier um, using like variables and generating tints of colors programmatically and that kind of thing. And then you compile it down to the, to the CSS that the browser uses. Yeah. Um, but in the overall kind of spirit of this endeavor, I guess you could call it, I've kept a pure CSS. Um, I've pulled in bootstrap, the bootstrap CSS, although I've, um, not, I'm not using the JavaScript they provide literally just the CSS. Um, and I'm probably only using 10% of that. I should probably pair that back a little bit. Um, yeah. It probably makes sense to do that. I'm just basically using it for the grid system and not much else, to be quite honest. <laughs> um, and then I got my own custom.css file that I load in where I add my own styling to sort of, you know, style up my theme. Yep. And it's basically done in the styling sense. And I've done it all within about 400 lines of CSS, which I think is reasonably acceptable yeah which makes me feel now that had i gone down the route of compiling sas it would have been like really just for 400 lines which um, you've needed to install at all to do that yeah. compilation yeah so well, this is what's this is what stopped me you see because i used to use an app called code kit and that's like a yeah. gui that does it all for you and it monitors a directory and as soon as it detects a change in your sas directory it will compile a new css file for you um but this is the first time I've ever done any web dev on this new MacBook. And of course I had to reinstall code kit. And then it's like, Oh, you need to enter your license. It's like, Oh damn it. Where's my license key? Yeah. And I was like, you know what? Just CSS. That'll do for now. Um, so sitting where I am now at 400 lines and it's all done. It's sort of like, that's fine. Really? Yeah. I think think that's fine. Um, uh, that's a good place to be with it. And I, I sort of think, well, um, this all sounds like a lot of overhead. If somebody's not done any web development and doesn't have that experience, then, you know, this is like you're, you're asking to develop a whole new set of skills. But for people like me and yourself who have web dev skills that are perhaps a bit out of date, but, you know, they're still relevant in terms of HTML still exists, CSS still exists, all of these sort of things. It's, it's within reach, right? To, to spend this time and to, to kind of just get something that that then like you say it comes down to a few hundred lines or whatever and it's done you know this is this is then it's like you say it becomes a project that is sort of sealed and it can stay stay like that for for some time um and then yeah. i think it's worth that effort i think with with hugo the appeal for me is that um it's an ongoing project and it looks like it's been around for quite some time 
and and so that also gives a little bit of, of reassurance you know i can use this structure and it's not going to disappear um yeah well, i mean i was thinking about this myself like what if Hugo does go away in a year and it's like well the version i've got now is still going to work yes and it does exactly what i want it to do yeah and something else will pipe up and by having a very sim- simple structure for the content uh you know dedicated spots for your images and then markdown files for the content uh something else would would spring up that would read that you know that's not a not, not a complicated database structure or you know xml thing or or whatever it, it's pretty simple so the, the only reason I would maybe need to change to something else, even if it went away, would be um, if I wanted to change or like do some more stuff in some way that yeah. went beyond the scope of what Hugo currently does. Um, I mean, I'm thinking about how I can maybe rope my Raspberry Pi into doing some of this stuff. Um, but yeah, like once you've got Hugo installed on your Raspberry Pi, all it's doing is outputting HTML. And if it's outputting HTML... To your satisfaction, yeah. Yeah, I, I could be wrong here, but I don't think there's any like security vulnerabilities necessarily to be worrying about if you're running Hugo locally. Because if you're just uploading the outputted HTML, it seems yep. like quite low risk, right? It's not like you've got a ghost installation that's two years out of date running on a server that's also two years out of date with the OS or something. It's pretty flat. As, as long as you're updating the, you know, the OS and the um, yeah, as long as the hosting the web server sound exactly, yeah. The actual yeah, the up, the need for Hugo to be updated. Um, I mean, the only advantage to updating maybe would be like if they update the documentation to always be in line with the latest one. And I go looking for some help, and it's like, oh, they're all talking about this new stuff that mine doesn't do. But yeah, yeah, it it definitely feels like it's going to be here for the long haul. Like, there's no question of that. Um, the only things I've got left to figure out, um, just a couple of things. The biggest one has been stats. Yeah. And I I really don't want to use Google Analytics. <laughs> I really, really don't want to have to use that. Just, um, you know, I don't need that level of data. And the yeah. inherent creepiness of Google is just something I want far, far away from this project. Like it is not aligned with the spirit of this project at all. Um. And I don't really know where Google Analytics stands with like GDPR and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, I do you have to like modify it in some way post install to bring it into compliance? I I don't know. Really not sure. I imagine there's probably something that you can tick because <sighs> it's know. affected so many things. But yeah, again, it's one of those things of like um, for me, I don't want to feed that data to Google, so I've been taking Google Analytics out of my sites. Um, and then it's just not a problem. But then yeah. I lose that visibility. I lose you know, any feedback on terms of like numbers of visitors or which pages are most popular or whatever. Um, it's a tough one. I've, I've not managed to come across a, a provider for analytics that I would like to use yet. There is a GDPR-friendly one, or it claims to be. I forget what the name of it is now. I'm really sorry, but <laughs> I'm trying to remember. Um <laughs> uh, but you have to pay for it, £6 a month, which yeah. again is more than the cost of your Linode box when you think of it sort of relative. Yeah. Um, but above all, like the thing with Google Analytics is that it sets cookies. So really you need a cookie banner as well, right? Yeah. And then, and then that know, makes that your website look awful. 
Yeah. Yeah. So it's just somewhere that I don't really want to have to go. Um, and then this earlier in the week, I thought um, about John Sundell, um, you know, Swift by Sundell. He um, sort of semi-famously at the bottom of his website put this like website is a hundred percent JavaScript free or something. Um, yeah. And I thought, well, he must have stats because he runs sponsorships and obviously you need to know what his stats are to be able to sell the sponsorships, but he doesn't use JavaScript. Therefore he can't use analytics. Therefore, what does he use? Yep. Um, so, so I tweeted him and um, yeah, he's really cool. He tweeted back and said that he uses Cloudflare. Oh, okay. Um, and that's something I hadn't really considered in the context of analytics. Take it all so the way he, from the top. It, yeah. So he uses Cloudflare as a CDN. And obviously with that, you get stats from the CDN. Um, and he says that, like you know, like myself, he doesn't want crazy levels of detail. He just wants a kind of, am I doing okay measure, yeah. um, top level kind of stuff. And for him, that's enough. And for me, that would certainly be enough. So I hadn't even considered that. Um, so that's definitely something I'm going to do. That then raises a question of how I handle SSL if I go via Cloudflare. Because if I were just running, say, a Linode box, it'd be simple enough, like with, uh, what's it called, CertBot? CertBot, yeah, it's very easy yeah. to set up. But if you throw Cloudflare into the mix, there's kind of two channels of communication. You've got my server to Cloudflare, and then you've yes. got Cloudflare to the user. Yes. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong, I think Cloudflare gives you a free SSL certificate, but that only encrypts between the user and Cloudflare's edge. Yes, it would still mean that the communication between my server and Cloudflare was unencrypted. I think, again, you can pay them five bucks a month and they'll sort it for you. Yeah. Um, I don't know how much of a they'll sort it for you that means, like whether I'd still need to fiddle around with stuff on my server. I I, I don't know. I feel like like you should be able to sort it yourself, though, because everybody prior to Cloudflare would be generating and maintaining their own certificates. Yeah. And so... yeah, and you, with something like CertBot, you could do that yourself, couldn't you? Minus Cloudflare. Yeah. Uh, I think there's a way to do something, like if I had one on my server, like via CertBot, I think there's a way to do something with that on Cloudflare in that I can sort of upload a portion of the Cert files or something to Cloudflare, maybe. I don't really know what I'm talking about. Uh, <laughs> I've not been down that route because I'm not using Cloudflare at all. Um, yeah. But I would imagine there's something that you could do because it's in Cloudflare's interests to to support people to using their service. Yeah. So there'll be a route, I'm sure. This is more of like a cry for help, I think, (laughs) as opposed to me (laughs) spouting any form of knowledge. Uh, But yeah, the thing that bothered me is if I end up using something that my server generates with Cloudflare, if the cert gets regenerated every 90 days, I don't really want to have to go in and fiddle with Cloudflare every 90 days. No, so probably I need to not. Have a proper, need to have a proper read into this. And also, there's a small issue of Cloudflare and cookies. Right. Be- and again, this is this is me not really knowing a huge amount at this stage. I need to read into it. But if Cloud, I think Cloudflare can set a cookie on your yep. user. So then does that mean I need a cookie banner? And again, that's part of the reason I wanted to avoid using Google Analytics. I did some very brief reading and... I've read somewhere that maybe due to the nature of the cookie is that you don't have to do that. Because it doesn't um, store anything specifically. I don't know. I think it's like a certain type of cookie that maybe is exempt from it 
but I, I, this is all stuff I need to figure out. These are like still yeah. sort of hanging questions. Um, but you could you could go live with your site without Cloudflare and bring it in later on. You don't need that to just set a blog up. No, I guess I would just be minus stats, wouldn't I, in the first instance? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So you mm. could get going and just just do stuff bit by bit. Yeah. Um, and the other question is, do I feel comfortable putting a big company and service like Cloudflare in between me and my users? Yep. Yeah. And and, and it's just like I've got nothing against them, but you just got to think about these things, haven't you? You do, you do, and I think the less you can do of that sort of stuff, the better. For yeah. um, it feels to me, I end up with this sort of strange kind of um, one way or the other kind of view. It sort of feels a little bit like, well, if I'm going to do this myself, it needs to be as simple as possible, and I need to have as few kind of third parties in the way as possible, and as few dependencies as possible, just so that you know, in in I can leave it. I can come back in eighteen months' time. I'm an iOS developer first, you know, so I'm not going to care about this stuff to be in it all the time. So I want something that simple. Or if it's going to have all the bells and whistles and be really, really complex, and you know, we've got GDPR to consider and the correct way of interacting with users to to pass their data and stuff and all of that, then part of me sort of feels like, well, I may as well just make it somebody else's problem and pay a service you know it kind of for me it kind of feels one way or the other either keep it really really simple and really lightweight or pay for a site on squarespace or insert other provider here yeah you know and just let them uh, let let them take all of that day-to-day toing and froing with stuff and, and and just solve it for me yeah, I, I feel like uh, it's not worth my while, given that my focus is elsewhere, really, um, to sort of live in the middle ground. 